Yeah. 
Thank you, guys. This morning, if you brought your copy of God's Word, we want to look at Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, and then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Matthew chapter 24, and then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This morning I want to share with you a sermon that I've entitled, The Great Snatchaway. The Great Snatchaway. Matthew 24. And if you will, look at verse 36. Matthew 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Verse 37, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And you not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field... The one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. There are some cultures today, some people in the world who believe that history is cyclical. They believe that things just go in circles. You live, then you die, and they believe in this thing called reincarnation, and you live again, and then they believe you die, and you just go through another circle. However, the Bible teaches that life is not cyclical, but life is linear. In other words, life has a beginning, and life has an end. And life is going somewhere. Jesus indicated this in the Sermon on the Mount when he spoke about the broad way that leads to destruction. And he spoke about the narrow road that led to life eternal. Each road had a destination. Each road went somewhere. So Jesus is saying that life is like a road. Life is like a journey. And life is going somewhere. Now, as a Christian today, we believe that life's journey will consummate at the coming of Jesus Christ. We believe that life will accomplish itself at the coming of Christ. It will be finished at the coming of Christ. Now, remember that Jesus made it clear that no one knows the day nor the hour that he will return. We believe that the Lord's return is imminent. Uh, it could happen any time. Uh, it, it may not, uh, you know, uh, be uh, immediate. It may not be happening right now, but we believe it's imminent. It could happen right now. It could happen any time. I believe that the coming of the Lord is drawing nigh. Yeah. I'm reminded of what Vance Havner said. Old Baptist preacher talked about this farmer that went to bed one night. And I thought of this last night as the, we were trying to 
And remember to set our clocks forward. And so Farmer went to bed and about midnight he had this grandfather clock. And that clock struck 12, but it kind of hung up for the first time. And instead of striking 12, it struck 20 times. And so he shakes his wife and he said, Honey, wake up. It's later than it's ever been before. <laughs> well, you know what? In regards to the second coming, it's later than it's ever been before. It's closer than it's ever been before. It's drawing nigh. Now there are two words in the Matthew text I want us to think of, look at just for a moment, found in verse 40, found in verse 41, and they call attention to themselves, and the words are taken and left. One shall be taken, the other left. Taken, left. Notice taken. Now the word taken there describes what will happen to those who are born again children of God. They shall be taken. Now, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, if you're born again, you've placed your faith and trust in Him and only Him, then you're bound for heaven. And the Bible says that when Jesus comes again, you're going to be among those who will be taken. Amen. Now, when Jesus returns, the Bible says we'll be taken. We'll be called up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Go ahead and turn and we'll look at that passage in depth in just a few minutes. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Bible speaks there in verse 17. The Bible says that then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we be with the Lord. And so in verse 17 explains this catching up or this snatching away of the believer by he uses the word caught up. In theological terms that word is, is rapture. So the rapture refers to now listen, the literal bodily transfer of the believer from earth to heaven. So when you hear the word rapture, that is the literal bodily transfer of the believer, God's, God's people, from earth to heaven. Now the word also suggests a suddenness. Uh, Paul said that the rapture would be in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 52. So in a split second, the Lord will call all believers to himself to share his glory and not one will remain behind. They'll all be caught up. So there's coming a day that the Lord shall descend and all believers, dead and alive, will be caught up, will be raptured, will be taken. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I just don't know if that could really happen or not. Well, the Bible, the Bible gives us the names of several people who had experiences similar to the rapture. First found in Hebrews chapter 5. Listen to God's word in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 11 verse 5. It says this, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation he had this testimony that he'd pleased God. And so the Bible says that Enoch... Uh, Enoch had a similar experience as the rapture. He was translated. And then in 2 Kings chapter 2, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, 
says this. It says, And it came to pass as they stood, as, as, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up into a whirlwind into heaven. So Enoch was translated, and here Elijah in 2 Kings went up into heaven with a whirlwind. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we read in verse 2, Paul says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. So Paul, speaking of himself, Speaking of a person that he knew was caught up. There again, another experience similar to that of the rapture. In fact, the word caught up, the same word used, harpazo, for the rapture. And then in Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 10, as the disciples are watching Jesus ascend into heaven, the Bible says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, and which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. And so you have Enoch, and you have Elijah, and you have Paul, and you have Jesus himself that experienced a similar experience as the rapture, one being translated, the other's being caught up, the other being taken. And so these events that I just mentioned affirm the reality that Christ can accomplish this coming event that he's promised to his people that they will be taken. Now, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I want to call your attention to four promises of the return of our Lord. Now, these promises are easy to locate because they are preceded by the word shall. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The first promise is there is a promised return. Look at verse 16, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For the Lord himself, here it is, you can underline this word, shall. There's the promise. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. So there is a promised return. He shall descend. Acts 1 verse 11, I just read the same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall appear in like manner as you've seen him go away into heaven. So that was a promise there in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. There's going to be a literal return of our Lord. The Bible says there in verse 16, the Lord, what? Himself. The Lord Himself. In the Greek text, that statement is known as an emphatic statement. It simply means the Lord Himself and not anyone else. The Lord Himself. The Lord Himself and not another. The Lord Himself and not an angel. The Lord Himself and not the Holy Spirit. The Lord Himself and not a proxy. The Lord Himself and not a substitute. It is the Lord Himself. And so, at the present, the Lord is at the right hand of the Father, but one day He will initiate the rapture. And the Bible says, some believe that certain sounds will be heard. There's a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. 
Now, some see these sounds as three distinct sounds. Like you would have a shout, a voice of the archangel, and then the trumpet of God. However, there are many theologians today who believe that the sounds... Uh, the sound is not a, it's, it's a distinct sound. It, it's, it's a sound that will be like a shout. It'll have a, a ringing command. It'll, it'll be ringing with a command of authority like the archangel. It will sound like the blare of a trumpet in its volume and its clarity, but it'll just be a shout. Now, it'll be exclusively directed, it'll be heard only by those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Not everyone's going to hear the shout. Only those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, we really don't know what, how he would shout, the words he'll use in the shout. John 11, verse 43, as Jesus was standing at the grave of Lazarus, he gave a shout and he said, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus came forth. Now, uh, we, we really don't know the words that he would say, but one of these days we'll hear the Lord Jesus himself with a shout. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us on three occasions where Jesus shouted. First of all, I mentioned John 11, verse 43. He shouted at the grave of Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus came forth. And then we know that he shouted uh, on the cross uh, to telephi, which means it is finished. And at that moment, the Bible tells us in Matthew's account, when Jesus cried, it is finished, that a number of graves were open. Uh, the resurrection took place. And a number of the Old Testament saints showed themselves in the city. And so you have him shouting there on the cross and then uh, uh, a resurrection took place. And then you have him shouting the third time uh, at the return. And so every time that Jesus shouts, there's been a resurrection. There's a resurrection of a man called Lazarus. There's a resurrection of many, the Old Testament saints. And then there's a resurrection of millions, those who put their faith and trust in him when he comes back. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, look at verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So first, there shall be a return. That's a promise. There will be a return. But secondly, there will be a resurrection. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, all the dead will not be summonsed. Only those who are dead in Christ. Did you know there, there are only two ways that you can die? You can either die in Christ, or you can die out of Christ. The Bible tells us you can die in your sins, or you can die in Christ. Only two ways you can die. In John 8, verse 21 and verse 24, Jesus says, You shall die in your sins. How terrible of a thought. You shall die in your sins. You shall die in your sins. Friend, listen, you don't want to die in your sins. You don't want to die in your sins. You want to die 
in Christ. And so when you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says that you are in Christ. That is your new position. You're in Christ. Revelation 14 verse 13 says, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. And so when you die, you're either going to die in Christ or you're going to die in your sins. Now you don't want to die in your sins. But at this particular resurrection, only those who are believers will be raised. Only those who have trusted Jesus Christ will be summoned in this resurrection. Only those will be raised. The body of believers will be raised. Not only will the body of the believer be raised, but the body of the believer will be glorified. Look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want us to look at verse 50. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot enter or inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And so when the corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall we shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Isaiah 25, 8, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth, who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is this body of mine going to be raised up, but this body is going to be glorified. It's going to be made perfect like unto Jesus Christ. I was doing some reading on a book that Kyle taught a couple of years ago. It's David Jeremiah's book on what in the, what in the world is going on. And, and Dr. Jeremiah quoted a passage from the, uh, the, biblical, the book entitled Biblical Prophecy. And uh, I'd like to share it with you. It says, uh, it says, In a split second, the Lord will call all believers to himself to share his glory. Not one will remain behind. It's hard to imagine just what it will be like. But he said, I read this paragraph recently that created a vivid picture. And this is the quote from the book Biblical Prophecy. And, and this is the quote, and I quote, Millions of people from all parts of the earth feel a tingling sensation pulsating through their bodies. They're all suddenly energized, and those with physical deformities are healed. The blind shall see. Wrinkles disappear on the elderly as their youth is restored. As these people marvel at their physical transformation, they're lifted skyward. Those in buildings pass right through the ceiling and roof without pain or damage. Their flesh and bones seem to dematerialize, defying all known laws of physics and biology. And as they travel heavenward, some of them see and greet those who have risen from their graves. After a brief mystical union, they all vanish from sight. 
That kind of gives you an imaginary picture about what would take place in this thing called the rapture. But your body will be raised if you've died. It'll be raised. If you haven't died, you're going to be here when Christ comes. You'll be called up. But as you're called up and as you're raised up and as you're called up, your bodies are going to be glorified. A lot of what Jerry Vine said, he said, most of the time we look for new clothes to put on the body, but during this time we're going to have a... He says, but one day we'll get a new body for our clothes. So that'll be, that'd be kind of neat. Big change there. Can you imagine not to be with those that have arthritis, not be twisted in pain anymore? Can you imagine those that can't hear that'll be able to hear and those that can't speak will be able to speak and those that are blind be able to see? Can you imagine the cripple being able to walk? Can you imagine... The, the, what will happen as the body makes this glorified change my goodness gracious we're going to be we're going to have glorified bodies and so you have the promised return shall descend you have this promised resurrection shall be raised and then you have this promised rapture Look at verse 17, back at 1 Thessalonians 4. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We shall be caught up. Now this is where we get the English word rapture. Let me give you a little history about that word because you'll have some opponents of, of, of the rapture who say, well, that word's not even found in the Bible. Well, that's true. The word caught up is a much more powerful word. But let me tell you where we get the word, the English word rapture. Our English word rapture is taken from the Latin Vulgate, a version of the Bible, which translates... Uh, caught up into ropio. Ropio ropio is the Latin word translated from the Greek word harpazo, which we get the words caught up. Now, that, that's the word found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15, harpazo, caught up. Now, the word means, uh, the word means to seize suddenly. The Bible tells us that on that day that millions of people will disappear from the face of the earth in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Now think of that. Just think of it just for a moment. Think of that. Now, just pretend with me for a moment of a Christian doctor. Judy went to the doctor the other day and we got to meet him for the first time. And so... Before we left, I asked him, I asked him, I said, Doctor, I said, I need to ask you a question. He said, what's that? And I said, are you a Christian? And he said, yes, I am. And so he shared a brief testimony about his relationship with the Lord. Can you imagine a doctor? Can you imagine a doctor performing surgery and having a scaffold down in someone and all of a sudden being a Christian doctor? God just snatches the church away and all of a sudden he just vanishes and the scaffold just drops and he leaves. Can you imagine a family getting ready for just a day 
and the father's on the way to work and all of a sudden he just disappears out of his moving vehicle and his wife is at home washing dishes and all of a sudden she's snatched away from the sink and maybe the little girl's gone early to cheerlead a practice and all of a sudden she's snatched out of the gym and, and maybe her brother went early for weightlifting training and a football practice and all of a sudden they're in a weightlifting room. He's snatched away out of that weightlifting room. Folks, listen. That's what's going to happen. Wherever there's a child of God, they're going to be taken. (coughs) Going to be taken. Can you imagine? This is going to take place. This is going to take place. It's going to take place. He shall descend. That's his return. We shall be raised. That's the resurrection. And we shall be caught up. That's the rapture. Now I'm going to close with this. There's a reunion. Look at verse 17. 1 Thessalonians 4. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's going to be a reunion. A promised reunion. So shall. There's the word shall. So shall we ever be. So notice we're going to meet the Lord. It's kind of funny. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. The Bible tells us that Satan and his demons occupy the lower atmosphere. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 speaks of the prince of the power of the air. And we're going to meet the Lord in the air. Like what Jerry Vine said about this verse. He said, we're going to have a victory celebration at the headquarters of the devil. (laughs) Going to meet the Lord in the air. My goodness. Now Paul gives us an admonition there in verse 18 as he closes. He says, listen, wherefore, because of what I've spoken to you in the previous verses, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, it's not not enough just to understand about the rapture. It's not enough just to understand about Christian death or... or, uh, Uh, the resurrection. But Paul is saying that our understanding should spur us on to comfort one another. I mean, when you see a believer uh, at the graveside of a relative or a friend, you can go up and put your arm around that believer and say, listen, this is is not the end. There's going to be a gathering. You're going to see this person again. Comfort one another with these words. So, you know, today we're seeing a lot of signs that are being fulfilled. But the next great event on the prophetic calendar is the coming of Jesus Christ. Um, there's, there's the impending of His return. I mean, I just jotted down the rebirth of Israel as a nation, the growing crisis over oil, the, re- the, uh, the uh, reformation of Europe. According to Daniel's prophecy, you've got the growth of uh, militant Islam. These are just some signs. But all of these are precursors to the Lord's return for His church. The Bible teaches that after the rapture of the church, when all the Christians are removed from the face of the earth, and there won't be any restraining ministry of the Holy Spirit, there won't be any salt left on the earth, there won't be any light 
left on the earth. There won't be any indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the believer on the earth. The result of all of that is going to be horrific. Matthew chapter 24, and I'll close with this. 24 verse 21 gives you a picture of that day. Matthew 24 verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. If you would, turn to Revelation 3. Revelation 3, and I'll close with verse 10. Revelation 3. Revelation 3, and look at verse 10. Remember what Paul said in verse 18, 1 Thessalonians 4, Comfort one another with these words. You're not saying goodbye for the last time. You're saying, I'll see you later. If you're speaking to a believer in Christ. And then he says in Revelation 3, verse 10, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, Christ is speaking to the church at Philadelphia, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. Not I'll keep thee in the hour of temptation. There's a, there's a big difference in from and in. I will keep thee from the hour of wrath, from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Comfort one another with these words. He didn't say that he'd keep us in the hour, but he said he'd keep us from the hour. And because of the rapture, we'll be kept from the horrors of the tribulation. Revelation 3, verse 10. Comfort one another with these words. The promised return, the promised resurrection, the promised rapture, and the promised reunion. Now, let me ask you this. If the Lord should come today, if He should come today, taken, left. Taken, left. Taken, left. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for an opportunity we have to just open your word. And again, as you spoke to our heart through our worship service this morning, through the singing, and now through your word, we thank you, Lord, that knowing one day when this life as we know it will be over, Lord, we know that we have the promise that you will return and you will call your people to yourself. And Father, we pray that we might understand today that this is not cyclical, but this is linear. History is linear. It has a beginning. It has an ending. And one day, Father, you'll come back for your church. You'll come back for those who, you, who belong uniquely to you. 
and you'll call them to be with you forever and forever. And so we pray, Father, for each person that's here. If that time should be today, it very well could be, if that time should be today, there would be no one in the sound of my voice that would not be taken, that we would all be with you forever in that place that you've prepared for us. I pray for each person here. If there's anyone, Father, today who's never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life, may they see the urgency of this message and of their decision as they put their faith and trust in you and nothing else or no one else. Thank you for what you're going to do. And we pray now that your Spirit might speak to our hearts, that your Spirit might lead people to a saving knowledge of you. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, as Mike leads us in an invitation hymn, hymn number 307, go ahead and find that number. The invitation is real simple. Would you be willing to say this morning, would you just be willing to come forward as the Holy Spirit moves upon your heart to make this decision and say, Brother Sammy, I want to be saved. I want to trust Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. Would you be willing to do that? Now, I don't know what you're trusting in. You may have trusted in the church or you may trust it in the ordinance or you may trust in your good works or your morality. There's a lot of good people. You know the sad thing about hell there's going to be a lot of good people in hell. There really are. They've trusted in their good works. They've trusted in their morality. And they fail to trust in Jesus. And so would you be willing to set all that other aside and put your faith and trust in the one that can make a difference in your life eternally and trust Jesus? You might want to come and say, Brother Sammy, I want to rededicate my life. If Christ should come today, I know... That, uh, that I'm saved. But I'm going to be embarrassed to stand before the Lord. Would you be willing to come in just a rededication of life? Transfer of membership. If you feel this is where God wants you to serve and to worship, you need to come. Perhaps you've made a profession of faith and you've never followed through with believer's baptism. You need to do that. Just say, Brother Sammy, I, I need to be baptized. I've asked Christ to save me and I've never been baptized. You need to come. Whatever the Holy Spirit's leading you to do, you need to make that decision because I'm telling you, based on, based on the words in this book right here, everything that I've shared with you is going to come to pass. Now it may be today, it may be tomorrow, it may be five, ten years, maybe another thousand years. I don't know. But I do know that's going to come about. And so you're either today in Christ or in your sins. And you don't want to die in your sins. And so you come as the Holy Spirit prompts and leads, you come as Mike leads us.